This is the Learning to Lead podcast, episode number 97. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 97 of the Learning to Lead podcast. My name is Doug Smith, and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. We're a leadership development company devoted to helping you become the best leader that you can be. If you're new to the podcast, we always have three episodes a month. We have uh, one from a talk from our leadership breakfast that we host each month here in Pittsburgh. Uh, One will always be an interview with a high-level leader, and then once a month, you'll get a personal leadership lesson by me. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we'd really appreciate if you leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. That really, really helps us. So thank you for that. And uh, this episode actually is from our interview series. But before I introduce Sean, I just want to thank our sponsors, Bab Inc. And they are an insurance broker, third-party administrator, and consulting firm in Pennsylvania and across the country. And they are monthly leadership breakfast hosts, and they have a phenomenal building here in Pittsburgh. But they're just a great organization. So I encourage you to check them out at babbins.com. That's B-A-B-B-I-N-S.com. And uh, you can check out all the work that they do. And uh, let's just jump right in. I want to introduce Sean Amirati, who I had the privilege to spend some time with interviewing. And Sean is an entrepreneur turned venture capitalist and professor. He's built and sold his own businesses, and now he spends time helping others grow theirs. And one of his companies was actually acquired by LinkedIn, which is really, really cool. And he's also a professor of entrepreneurship at Carnegie Mellon University. And in this episode, um, it's uh, our conversation continued, and Sean shares some thoughts on entrepreneurship and leadership. Again, we talked about his new book, The Science of Growth, in episode number 96. I really encourage you to take some time to listen to that. Uh, And you can check that out at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 96. And uh, and we'll include links in the show notes for ways to, to connect with Sean and get his book. And I mentioned this in the last episode, but if you're in the Pittsburgh area, we're actually hosting a Pirates tailgate and a Pirates game with Sean on Monday, June 20th, 2016. And Sean will be giving a talk on his book. He'll be giving away 100 copies of it. We're going to have Chick-fil-A and then go to the Pirates game and have a great night together. Tickets are 10 bucks, um, and it's going to be a phenomenal night. And you can get your tickets at l3leadership.org forward slash pirates. So that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of Sean and I's conversation, and I'll be back at the end with a few announcements. I'm curious, so so if people look at your life now, you started companies, sold companies, you get to invest in companies, live in the dream, uh, what do you wish people knew about your your journey that they may not? Yeah, so I think I think for most entrepreneurs, they would say this, right? So the, the high points of being an entrepreneur were incredible, right? And, and what I get to do now is absolutely... A blessing. I pinch myself every day that I get to do the things that I get to do. But when you're telling the story, when you're giving people the synopsis, right, there are a lot of days that are easy to gloss over, um, you know, in the 30 second summary that were really, really hard. And you've got to remain persistent and keep pushing through. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, a much more successful entrepreneur than me, even. We were talking about how, like, when we were in business school or graduate school, like, people, thought being an entrepreneur was like what you did if you couldn't get a job, right? It was like, you know, if you, if you couldn't get a job at the investment bank, well, you could always be an entrepreneur, right? And today, teaching at Carnegie Mellon, being an entrepreneur is like the desired career path. And I think the reason for that is, is that um, the media has, has characterized being an entrepreneur, like the movies today, like the, are like Steve Jobs movie, Mark Zuckerberg movie, things like that, right? Whereas like, when, um, you know, if you, if you wind the clock back, right, you know, 20 years ago, like the, the popular movies were like Wall Street, right? There's, and, it, and, and in both those cases, right, because I actually spent time on Wall Street with my first time. In both those cases, like they're terrible representations of what it's really like to be an entrepreneur and, or what it's really like to be on Wall Street for that matter. 
But as it relates to being an entrepreneur, right, you, you have this sort of aha moment that Mark Zuckerberg has. And then next thing you know, he's at a billion users, right? And there were a lot of sleepless nights between here and there and a lot of sleep under your desk and working hard. And so, so I think being an entrepreneur is absolutely what you should, is absolutely what people are wired to want to do, things that they're, um, that they're interested in. Right. But I think you need to understand that like the path from A to B is not straight and not linear. And there were a lot of, a lot of hard days, uh, between there, but absolutely worth it. Cause the, as low as the lows were, the, the highs were, uh, incredible as well. Yeah. Where do you see young entrepreneurs or young leaders miss it most often? Is there anything that you consistently see pattern wise where you're like, oh, these guys would just, uh, so I, I, I that's a sort of repackage up, but I, I do think, you know, I love spending time with young leaders. It's one of the, the most fun things uh, that I get to do, most enjoyable things that I get to do. Um, but if I could like encourage them to do two things, like one would be not stop learning and, and two would be just really take serious uh, the time that they're investing and, and how they're spending their time. You know, I think um, it's fascinating to meet with, with young leaders and they'll be talking about what they want to do and then ask them like, okay, well, I wouldn't do this on a first meeting, but as you get to know them better, like, okay, we'll pull out your calendar. Let's like, look at how you're spending your time relative to what you, what you say you want to be, uh, when you, uh, you know, as your career matures. Yeah. Okay. Um, talk about personal growth. I'm interested in your personal growth, um, on several fronts. So uh, let's just start with mentoring. What role has mentoring played in your life and what do you do? to actively seek out mentors and what, and really what advice do you have when it comes, I'm sure people seek you out all the time as a mentor. Um, what advice do you have for people looking to grow and develop as it comes to mentoring? Yeah. Uh, great sets of set of questions there. So first of all, I guess to answer your first question first there. Yeah. Uh, mentors were unbelievably meaningful to me. Uh, so the, the first startups that I did, um, I did it with, uh, guys that, that were uh, incredibly successful and meaningful um, entrepreneurs and, and just did a great job sort of teaching me what it was like to be an entrepreneur um, just on a personal level. Like I've always tried to seek out guys who I think really know um, <laughs> when I look at their life, I think, man, that's what I want my life to look like uh, down the road. And, um, and so that, that certainly encompasses professionally, but also like personally and spiritually and, and um, I feel really blessed that the that I have a number of guys who've who've made really significant uh, investments in my life. So on the on the business front, you know, I'd be remiss to not mention um, Dave Mawinney and Dean Thompson, who were um, who did first startup with me and re- and really taught me what it was like and what what being an entrepreneur is is all about. Dave's gone on to run the entrepreneurship program at at Carnegie Mellon, and and Dean. Spent some time at LinkedIn after we sold that business to them, and, and now a CTO at at No Wait and mentors a lot of early stage uh, technology entrepreneurs. On the personal front, um, you know, before going to Carnegie Mellon, I got my undergrad at a smaller brothers college uh, called Grove City College, and a number of the trustees and alum there uh, were were really generous with their time the first couple of years uh, out of school. So he's He's passed away now, but um, Fred Federoff, who was a trustee and was the um, vice chairman at, at Alcoa, um, was just really, really gracious with his time. Spent a lot of time with me um, sitting at a, a King's Diner in Wexford giving uh, <laughs> lots of advice to a, a 21-year-old guy who was trying to figure out which way was, was up and down. And then on a, um, on a sort of a spiritual level, um, you know, uh, the, the church that, uh, I attended in, in Pittsburgh, Northway, the founding pastor there, 
um, J-Pass event, um, spent a ton of time with me my first few years out of school and continues to be a guy that um, when I'm going through something, it's sort of a, a quick to call, quick to get feedback. But, you know, the first couple of years out of school, I guess starting my senior year of college to my first couple of years out of school, uh, he would spend like an hour a week in his office with me just talking, talking through the things I was working through. And it was super meaningful as well. I love that. How do you, how do you position yourself to spend time with those guys? Right. I'm sure everyone listening is like, wow, I'd love to spend a week, you know, week after week with Jay Passman, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, is there something special about you? Did you seek it out? Et cetera. Uh, uh, so I think asking is part of it, right? So my sense is that people are more receptive to helping than people realize it. Um, and I think especially at, uh, at that phase of, uh, people's career. And I, I don't, don't mean old, but I guess just mean like having achieved what people really probably set out to achieve, right? They they are interested in in helping others. Um, now, uh, having over the last couple of years spent a little bit more time on, I guess both sides of that table, right? I still call Jay when uh, probably more than than he would like even. But I still call <laughs> Jay uh, when I need to kind of work through things in my own mind and and uh, figure them out. Um, but also now I'm at a point where like there are people who I try to, to do the same thing. Um, the one thing I think that is incredibly frustrating is that when you meet with somebody and then they don't, you basically have the same meeting over and over again, right? Um, because it's like they, uh, they, you know, they, um, for whatever reason, uh, don't, um, you know, they don't apply what you're talking about. And it's not that you're looking for perfection, but it's like, if you come with the same questions every week and you tell them the same thing and then it's like, okay, can we get together in a couple of weeks and have the same conversation again? That, that starts to feel, pardon me, like a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but at the first thing is, so I think once you get, once they say yes, you need to actually invest uh, the time and, and apply what they ask you or what they're talking to you about, or at least be able to say why you're not. Uh, but, but even before that, not asking is a easy oversight as well. That's good. You, you said you read a lot. What, what books do you find yourself giving away most often and or recommending? Yeah. Um, so a couple of books jumped to mind there. Uh, so uh, Lean Startup by Eric Reese, I give to everybody sort of as, who comes with like, hey, I've got an idea. Don't know what to do about it. I think it's an incredible resource on, on the sort of early phases of thinking through that. There's a book that's um, and Eric's book is is incredibly well written and, and great. There's a book called Four Steps to the Epiphany by a guy named Steve Blank that I also think is is really helpful in terms of how to go out and, and get customer feedback. It gets to some of the things um, that you're that you're talking about in terms of how do you go and, and talk to customers and make it safe for them to say uh, good or bad things about it. Um, there's also a, a sort of cliff notes version of that book by um, a guy named Patrick Flaskovitz uh, on customer discovery. That's that's very similar to Steve's book and is a fast read as well. And then um, a book that I still give to a lot of people um, that's just more like how to think about lifelong learning and, and mentoring and all that kind of stuff is a book um, by a guy named Tim Sanders. He actually uh, did a blurb for mine, which was really gracious of him. But he wrote a book called Love is the Killer App a number of years ago. And it's a, it's a tiny, it's a tiny book. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those like 45 minute read types of books, but it's really, really meaningful and, and helpful for people as I think, start thinking through this, like, well, how do I want to build my career? Think about it, that kind of thing. 
That's good. Uh, a couple more questions. I'm curious, uh, what have you learned about money? I, I don't know your background or anything like that, but I'm sure I'm sure there's that a fair share of people that get in entrepreneurship thinking I want to be the next billionaire, right? Uh, what have you actually yep. learned about having money in in that whole realm, just in life? What advice do you give on money? Yeah, uh, so so money is an interesting thing, right? So uh, one of the things that I think is fascinating for entrepreneurs is that you're almost always it, it, assuming you're an entrepreneur in the sense of like doing your own startup, not necessarily going to a big company and trying to be entrepreneurial entrepreneurial inside that environment. But if you're doing your own startup you're almost always working for less money in the short term than you could be making uh, in the marketplace at large. And I think it's really tempting, given that, to get into debt because, uh, because it's like, well, I know I should be making this. And, and you know, most entrepreneurs are confident they'll be successful, and uh, eventually many will, but there's often a lot of zigs and zags in that. And getting into debt while you're at the sort of early phases of building out that can be an absolute noose around your neck, right? It can force you to do things that you... That you don't that you don't want to do, um, and so uh, while you may, as a as an entity, have to go raise money from folks like myself or whatever, and sort of have people who are influencing the the path of that organization on a personal level, right? Staying out of debt allows you to have a lot more freedom to make the right choices for you and for for that enterprise. Um, so that'd, that'd be one thing. The other thing I tell people is um, is try to start being um, generous early in your career. Um, right. So, uh, when I think back on, uh, generosity that, that, and money that my wife and I gave away as we were kind of early in our career before we'd had, um, that much, uh, success, right. Those, those checks felt incredibly significant to us at the time. Yet, you know, 10 years later, they might not feel quite as significant as they did when we were, when we were first writing them. But I think it instilled in us a behavior and a philosophy of generosity that I'm glad we did at that point in our sort of marriage and our family's development that we've been able to to, to carry forward. Um, and I think similar to the entrepreneur thing of thinking like, well, eventually I'm going to make a lot of money and I can get out of debt. It's easy to also think, well, eventually I'll make a lot of money and I'll be able to be generous at that point. Um, but I think starting it early and small is in, 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 in small from a dollar amount, not say from a a, uh, a percent of your income amount is a, is a great habit to develop early on. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about faith throughout the interview. I'm curious, what role does faith play? I mean, you're at Carnegie Mellon. I, I can imagine it's difficult to, have, to live out your faith in that realm. Or I don't even know what the culture's like with the people that you interact with, but how do you view uh, living your faith out in that world? Yeah. So to me, uh, to me, it's not as difficult as as it might seem, and and I think the reality is that, um, and there's guys I, there's guys who deserve a lot of credit for helping me um, think through this. So I would say like um, Darren Grove, who who you may know at TrueFit, right, is has, is a Grove City alum as well, uh, has has done a nice has been helpful to me as I've thought through how this kind of all integrates together. Uh, but a couple of things: one, there are actually probably more believers at Carnegie Mellon than you might might expect certainly not the majority by any stretch but there are uh, more people of faith there than you might expect but the other thing is i think um the the faith i have i believe to be true period right not true for me i believe it to be true period right and so if you believe that then even if people may not believe these things for the same reason you do if you believe them to be true right there's no reason 
to sort of hide from that or, or avoid that, right? So I might say, you know, entrepreneur, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. They want to create, right? And, and I, there may be theology behind that statement uh, to me, but even if you don't have the same worldview idea, if I believe that to be true, like you may find yourself resonating and agreeing with that statement, even if you and I view the world from a worldview perspective completely differently, right? Um, so there's sort of capital T truth and, and lower case T truth um, is how, how Darren often frames it. And I think, um, I think as believers, it's, it's sometimes interesting to sort of miss that, that uh, there's kind of truth on, on both those levels um, and that there's probably more common ground than people realize from that perspective. Yeah, great answer. Um, if you could go back with your 20-year-old self, have a cup of coffee, what would you tell that, Sean? Yeah, I'd tell him like uh, there's going to be a lot of scary days. Um, but, uh, but don't, don't over fear the downside. Right. And so just to unpack that for, for a moment. Um, so when I was a, was an undergrad, there were a number of different things that I did as a, as an undergraduate student. Um, but one of the things I did is I actually spent three years at, um, three summers, I'm sorry, at the consulting firm, Arthur Anderson. And I uh, was in their business consulting group doing, uh, working with a, with a remarkable manager named Carlo Morgana, who um, is a great technology leader in the region to this day. Um, and anyways, I, and some other really great guys at Anderson as well. Um, so not to single Carlo out, there were a bunch of really amazing executives there. Um, but spent three summers there. At the end of the third, which was unheard of, like Anderson, you typically didn't intern at till you were a junior, but for a variety of of things got that internship after my freshman summer, sophomore summer, junior summer. At the end of my junior summer, um, really felt like it wasn't the right thing for me to go and take that, take that job. There was a, a very obvious path in front of me to, I was going to move to Chicago, uh, which is, was the world headquarters of Anderson and, and go, um, go work with the, the same practice unit that I had been part of and I ended up turning that, that job down. And, when I turned the job down, people were like shocked and, and people at the college I was going to at the time, many of them called me up and were like, this is such a mistake. Like going to Arthur Anderson is the <laughs> smartest thing you can do. You have to understand like, uh, Anderson's been around 88 years. Like they've given you this partner path. Like, you'll, it, you know, it's like a surefire way to generate wealth and have impact in the world. Like this is what you should do. It's risk-free. Right. And uh, just there were a bunch of things that went into turning the opportunity down, but turn the opportunity down and uh, and end up going to Carnegie Mellon for grad school and doing a bunch of startup stuff and things that looked super risky on a relative basis. And I actually graduated in three and a half years. So I finished up late December and then in uh, January of 2002, uh, Arthur, Arthur Anderson was a uh, part of the where they were the accounting firm the accounting part of the practice was the group who actually was enron's auditors and more relevant to that story they actually shredded documents on behalf of enron uh, to cover up a lot of the mistakes and so within three months anderson was gone this risk-free job that everybody said go take this job because it's risk-free went away now I would have probably gone to work for a different consulting firm. I'm sure I would have been fine had I moved to Chicago and done that, right? But I had this, it was this interesting, there's this interesting moment in time where I realized like, 
how we think about risks as humans is just not actually correct. Right? We tend to overemphasize the downside of situations and underappreciate the upside to them. And, uh, and I think that at that moment in time, it sort of reframed how I look at risk. And I think um, at 20, I wouldn't have appreciated that. Uh, but that, that moment in time really steered my career going forward in, in really good ways. The other thing I would tell myself kind of a couple years later is uh, keep investing the time you're investing in spending time with these really great men who are, who are investing into you. Um, cause you can, you can learn a lot from books and, you know, reading and all that is super important, but, but spending time with these mentors is, is really important. And I would uh, t- encourage myself to to continue to make those investments. Great. Last question. Cause we have a minute and a yep. half. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be remembered for looking back? And then if you can just follow that up with anything, um, we can do, the audience can do to serve you other than buy the book, um, which we'll, <laughs> we'll push, push, push. Buy the book is super helpful, but you know, so I want my legacy to be that I help people, uh, create products and services that made the world the way it ought to be. Right. It's been, it was a really fun, series of building the businesses that we talked about before I went to Carnegie Mellon and Birchmere. But even more fun is helping people realize those dreams. Also, on a professional level, that's what I want to be remembered for. Way more important than even that, though, is I want to be remembered as a, as a guy who raised two really great kids and was a great husband to, to my uh, amazing wife and, and, and all of that. In terms of being, being served by, by the community, like my, my hope for, for your community that you're building here and this, this uh, group of folks that you're curating here is that these people would uh, would dream big, um, shoot for their own moonshots in their own life, and, and sort of believe in themselves and their ability uh, to do that. And to the extent that I can be helpful for for your folks as as they think about that, Doug, you know, feel free to put put them in touch with me and and you know want to support them in the in those pursuits. Great, thank you so much, Sean. Appreciate it. Thanks. like to connect with Sean or buy his new book, you can get all the links that you need at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 97. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the interview about Sean's book in episode 96, I encourage you to take some time and listen to that. And again, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, we're hosting a Pirates game and tailgate with Sean on Monday, June 20th. We'd love to see you there. He's giving away 100 copies of his book. We're going to have Chick-fil-A, and then we're going to go watch the Pirate game. And uh, that event is sponsored by the Pittsburgh Kids Foundation. And tickets are 10 bucks a person, and you can get them at l3leadership.org forward slash pirates. As always, I want to thank our sponsor, 068, which is a company led by my friend Daniel Bull, and they actually start organizations and companies with ex-convicts. He's doing incredible work, and you can check out and watch stories at 068.org about the great work that they're doing. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you would subscribe, leave a rating and review. That'll really help us. And as always, I like to close with a quote, and I love this quote. Rick Warren said this. He said, when you're small, they ignore you. When you grow, they criticize you. And when you succeed, they resent you. Keep focused on God. And so I just want to encourage you, keep doing what you're doing. Just be faithful and focus on God and everything will work out. So thanks again for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership. Laura and I appreciate you so much. And we'll talk to you next episode. <music>